Hey guys, just a little bit up front from me, Kieran RH, to say that this podcast is usually available only for our Patreons at patreon.com slash wrestleinn. But we had so much fun making it and we wanted to give you a taste of what to expect when you subscribe to our Patreon. So we wanted to release this episode for free for all of you to listen to. If you do enjoy it, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. It costs only $1 a month. If you're feeling extra generous, you can pay more than that. You also get exclusive early access to all our other podcasts, Flight of Five, Noob Japan, The Ocean Cyclone Show, and any interviews we may conduct. We really hope you enjoy this. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon for just $1 a month. We record Into the Wrestleverse every week. That's patreon.com slash wrestlein. Enjoy. This is New Japan superstar Clark Connors, the wild rhino himself, and you're listening to Wrestle It. All right, let's do this one more time. My name is Kieran RH, and I was bitten by a radioactive Jay Wyatt, Carl Anson, Luke Gallows, probably not Chase Owens, Bad Luck Farley. And for the past zero years, I've been the one and only podcast host of Into the Wrestleverse. My name is Trent, and I have not been gang bitten by the Bullet Club. My name is Libby Kaplan, and I, I kind of have been gang-bitten by the Bullet Club. Libby, I know um, you were saying as well you had COVID. Uh, how are you doing? Is your is your breathing okay or anything like that? I'm my breathe. I'm okay. I'm I'm still breathing. It's happening. Maybe, maybe it would be better if you breathed with the switchblade. <laughs> Incredible. Back that off. was good. That was good. <laughs> that was uh, good. Okay, so for those listening to the podcast rather than being here in person recording, Kieran was so excited. He had this brilliant segue, <laughs> going to line up and everything. He was like, get ready for it. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. You're just going to be amazed. You're going to be in awe of my brains. And uh, yeah, lived up to the expectation. I'm hell, impressed. Hell yeah. Jay White rocked up at the end of Dontaku. Bullet Club in tow. Challenged Okada. It was so fucking good to have him return back to japan and i loved the way they'd done it because okada's post-match celebration was going on for so long that i was kind of like okay nothing's gonna happen mm. and then you know the necklace i think it is his switchblade necklace drops it makes that ching noise and fucking here he came man i shouted my girlfriend is the biggest jay white fan she came running in to see his grand return we i loved it what about you guys yeah i was uh Thrilled. I had put off watching Don Taku, so I wasn't that excited about the card. Um, it wasn't really like a card for me, and I, I totally, I totally got that. And I was like, I will watch it. Uh, and then I saw all, you know, the the surprises going down on Twitter, and I was like, okay, I will watch it. I'm sure, like, this will really sell it for me. And watching it yesterday, and I knew that Jay came out, but I didn't know the details. Mm-hmm. So when Okada's um, celebration was going suspiciously long. I was like, <laughs> they're coming. They're all coming, aren't they? <laughs> I've seen the picture. I know what's going to happen. I, I I loved it. And also, like, it was real... Uh, it got me real excited because, like, to see Machine Gun do the roll call and everything, mm-hmm. introduce everyone like he used to. I was, like, I was smiling from ear to ear. I loved it. It felt great. And to see you know jay back in new japan it's great it's where he belongs you know it's his domain i'm very very excited can i take a quick sidebar here because i'm learning more and more information as we go along um libby what are your thoughts on jay you do you find him attractive 
Um, sh- sure. Wait, because okay, every so... female New Japan fan I find JY attractive. But seriously, like every female New Japan fan I've come across in person, online, or anything, seems to be just gaga about Jay White. Like it's it's actually crazy how he seems to just tick the boxes for every female wrestling fan who knows of him. And look, fair play, those abs. He he pulls them off and then some. But it's just hilarious how you said like you know you were excited and then Hazel came running in because you know he's shit her favorite. And it just seems it's just crazy. Like Jay White is the punk of new japan right now apparently despite the fact kanahashi's there hey uh i wasn't a jy fan before uh i very much before the beard i i think he maybe went through delayed puberty i don't know <laughs> <laughs> he had such a little baby face for ages um he used and... to be the, the switch pocket knife and he had puberty and became yeah. a switch blade Exactly. And I had a lot of heart. Um, I loved it, you know, when he was um, kind of like adopted by other wrestlers as he mm-hmm. <laughs> as he was like becoming himself. And then I wasn't quite into it. I was fighting speak, especially when they start putting titles on him. And, and I think it, they were deserved and he's unbelievably talented, but it was too early. Mm-hmm. It was too soon. Um, and I mean, he's unbelievably recovered from it now like he's he's a mega star um mm. but I, I wasn't really feeling jay white and then he really found his feet in like who he was and i love those complicated kind of bastardess like evil characters that are very jilted very funny very aware of who they mm-hmm. are very clever in their approach and you know villains always have to be um innovative a lot of the time you know you can play the, the classic villain right but it's it's old and to really get behind someone you want to you know see something new and jy is so fresh in everything he approaches recently i just i i just think i just think he's great i just think he's great we, we could just, talk just about... doing an impromptu poll we could talk, <laughs> i could talk about jy all day um but the rest of the card deserves a lot of love as well like the ending to Okada and Naito was some next level shit. Okada, it uh, was yeah. What did he hit first? He put on the Enoki style Cobra Clutch, then he um, put on he hit Emerald Flosion, and then he hit his own Rainmaker. So you had the two like sons, I suppose, of Ricky Dozan, who created Japanese professional wrestling. Basically, hitting both their signature moves and then hitting his own signature move. On the, during the 50th anniversary of New Japan and also the 50th anniversary of All Japan. Absolutely mm. fucking incredible. Probably one of the best finishes I can recall seeing. And like, yeah, it's there's not that's just got to be one of the most, and like, no one's ever going to kick out something like, like the most definitive finishes you're going <laughs> to see in professional wrestling. Yeah, like, that chain. Yeah, yeah you're not getting the Naito kick out of one fire out before one final flourish. You know, yeah. you're, you're dead. Naito selling afterwards was amazing as well like he looked like he had had his brain taken out flips up upside down and put back in like uh, it, was so yeah. it was so so good like you you really felt like uh okada had harnessed the power of wrestling ancestors uh-huh. and really like <laughs> rocked naito and yeah, uh, i loved it and yeah. uh, like okada was like watching uh, like naito with kind of amazement it was like going around and getting out the ring. Like I was just like, like I wasn't. 
was excited for this match. Of course it's going to be a good match. It's Okada and Naito. Well, you know. But then, you know, there wasn't story, but this delivered so much. Yeah, I had my doubts going in, but as soon as the match began, you get into it and all those type of things. And then Tanahashi and Ishii had an all-time great match. Like, fucking hell. Mm. Uh, Tanahashi hitting Ishii with Ishii's vertical drop brainbuster. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen Tanahashi at a brainbuster before, and it was fucking crisp. And then you had Ishii hitting Tanahashi with a sling blade, and Tanahashi kicked out of Ishii's vertical drop brainbuster. And I, I, I don't know if it's ever been kicked out of before. Like, I thought oh. Ishii had that match won, and you know it would have Western fans would have been over the moon, but uh, I, that that match was just way better than I thought it was going to be. I, it would definitely be on people's match of the year list. Yeah, every, that seems to be the match. This sort of block, like obviously you had the Wrestle Kingdom block where everything was happening and everyone was going crazy about certain matches, namely the two main events. Um, but sort of in this sort of second quarter of the year. This feels like the match everyone's going to point to and go, yeah, that's the one that you need to have on your match of the year list. And with good reason. I mean, it. Well, I wasn't too surprised because, you know, Ishii and uh, Tanahashi, just two of the best workers in the world, even right now, mm. despite the years that are on their bodies. Um, but, like, the fact we hadn't seen them for so long, it was a certain freshness to it. You know, like, you were talking about Okada Naito, how good that match was, but there was always a bit of concern because we've seen that actually a few times already just this year. Mm-hmm. And just recently we've had it a couple of times. So it's like they're, they're forced to have to do these things to kind of stand out, whereas, you know, Ishii and Tanahashi can just kind of go in there and be them and do their thing, and it's fresh enough and it feels new enough that it's going to stand out. And it did. Ishii is so... Uh, I was going to say underrated, but he's not. Like, the issue is so very good. I think some of um, people's fave wrestlers from New Japan, their feuds with Ishii are some of, when you look back, some of their best matches. Like, I think Ishii is, is such a, a core and vital part of New Japan and so much more talented that, than he might look on the surface to some people. Yeah, I think he's always the bridesmaid and never the bride type deal, but the fact mm. that you know, if this was meant to be Tanahashi versus Osprey in New Japan, said, okay, who can we put into this spot? To You know, it's a big, important spot. It was the semi-main event on their biggest show outside of Wrestle Kingdom in the mm. entire pandemic, so the past two years. Um, and they was like, we can stick issue in that. And, you know, it fucking paid off big time because it's probably better than what an Osprey issue ma- a Tanahashi match would have been. It would have been a way different affair. Yeah, you know, I loved it, and I'm another one as well. Libby, did you watch the whole show? Did you see Tanatonga versus Evil? I did watch the whole show. I'm gonna be real; I tuned out for (laughs) the Evil. I don't. I I fully expect that, but I, you know, I think when it very, very rarely happens, but when the House of Torture does interference right, it's lots of fun, and that was the case here. Jado hit um, Evil with the fucking best kendo shot I've, like, ever seen. Yes! Yes, no, I that? remember it now. Oh, I, can, I can hear it, actually, in my mind. <laughs> like, Evil's just, like, groggy, and he walks over to the ropes where Jado's standing with the kendo stick, and Card- yeah. Jado just goes, bang, straight in the middle of Evil's head. Yeah, it's, it's like perfect. the thickest slap noise you've ever heard <laughs> in your life. It was beautiful. <laughs> and then the ending was great as well, like, Evil trying to beat Evil, throws the referee at Tamatonga. Tama leapfrogs the referee, lands, instantly jumps up and hits the gun stun. It was fucking seamless. It was so much fun. Like, I'm really glad Tama got that win. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember now because then that's when Carl came out and everything. I I think I maybe, uh, I was kind of um, 
I was disappointed with the amount of like of the way show was used, you know, for all the interference. That kind of clouded my memory of of what the uh, the House of Torture did that show. But now when I think about it, yeah, actually, that was uh, that was very yeah. This, this show, like, I didn't think I'd enjoy it, and actually, it it really delivered. It felt like it a bit felt of a like they knew they needed to step forward and go. Here we go. We're just changing everything. You know, we had quite a few big moments. The shock of Bullet Club coming back. Yeah, and then of course we had the best of the Super Juniors announced, which I know you, Kieran. Uh, Hell from yeah. The moment that's happened was uh, a very happy little kid. Christmas Day in the Kieran household. Um, do you want to tell us what makes you so excited about this lineup? It's just like, like it's so fresh. Obviously, they haven't been able to bring in guys because of the, uh, the pandemic and stuff. But even when they could, you didn't get this many influx of fresh new talent all at once. Uh, mm. You know, you'd get a couple of names. Some of them you might not necessarily be so excited for. I'm not a big mm-hmm. CMLL guy. Uh, Titan didn't impress in, when he was in it prior, but I'm excited he's back because apparently he's like a changed man. He's just so much better. Uh, you know, there's so... Francesco Akira's great. I saw his match with uh, Gabriel Kidd at Rev Pro. They're just fucking... They battered the shit out of each other. Oh, uh, yeah, their chests afterwards were, like, uh-huh. beat red. You've got Clark Connors, and obviously I love the LA Dojo. That's no secret. Uh, and I think mm. he's going to really fucking surprise and impress people. Hell, you know, yeah. I'm not big on AEW, but I fucking very well know that Wheelie Uta is awesome, and it's so good to have that mm-hmm. AEW connection showing up. Uh, El Linderman is awesome. He's representing Glee, and he's got their top title. Uh Alex Zane and then Ace Austin as well. Um, then you mix that up. impact representation. Yeah, exactly. But then they're all going to be facing guys they've never faced before as well. So suddenly Hiromu's like, I'm kind of, I don't want to say bored of Hiromu. I'll never get bored. But he's been the centerpiece of the junior division for so yeah. long. And during mm. the pandemic, he hasn't had fresh talent to go up against. Like when he was going up against Will Ospreay and they would have the banter like I think uh, Hiromu brought Ospreay some fresh chicken to eat one day at <laughs> and they had the whole game with a cat like Hiromu thrives when he gets to learn new people I think and have new experiences yeah. and he's going to come up with fun stuff and he's not being I mean, able to do that I think like Hiromu versus Ace Austin they're both in the, the same block right yeah um, yes, they are. that block. match is going to be Oh, good. That match, like, I'm so excited for that. I think that is going to be, like, so absolute. They're just two people who are so uh, unbelievably sure of themselves in what mm-hmm. they do. And putting them together, I think, is going to be, like, such a, like, a very special thing to see. So which match are you guys most excited for from these blocks? Uh, um, Jesus just Christ. to put you guys on the spot, because we... Need to look at the blocks quickly. This. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I spoke to interview Clark Connors and Francesco Akira for WrestleIn, oh, yeah. uh, and they both got me super hyped. Obviously, I'm going to have a soft spot for both of them. Uh, mm-hmm. One match, I don't know. Uh, I think I want to see Clark is like the powerhouse of the, gonna be the powerhouse of the junior division that they don't have. Mm. Uh, so I think he's going to do some impressive shit. Um, I can't say an individual match. I'm. I don't know. I'm really rubbish at that type of stuff. I will say I think the block final will be Francesco Akira versus El Desperado. Though I'm willing to go out on that then. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Get yeah. the get the new recruit over big. 
give him some big wins in A block and then up against Despi, who I think you'll if you look at the B block, the only person that would really make sense is either Desperado, El Fantasmo, maybe because that would be kind of fun seeing him have mm-hmm. to deal with Ishimori, you know, the, 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 the tag partners going against each other. And Drama. then, of course, my home pick of uh, Robbie Eagles because I'd love to see him get some more success and get the best of the Super Juniors trophy. But, like, I think, you know, the B block has just a couple of people you can realistically see getting through. A block, I think, has a few more of the heavy hitters, but it would make sense for Akira to get that spotlight moment. Yeah, I think as well, like, they need a... You can't be having Hiromu in the final again. Like, yeah, keep him out. Like, he's, he's done what he needs there's to. There's too yeah. much freshness here for that. Um, I love him mm. to bits. But, again, I would. I think you need at least one fresh face in the final for that bit of unpredictability. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know if you get a certain person in the final, they're likely not going to win, like Yo last year versus Hiromu. You really, you knew Yo wasn't going to pull that off. Um they certainly made me think he would, but when you look at it logically. Um, but, you know, if you get a Francesco Akira in, he's the unknown. You don't know what their plans are. You haven't got this history to look back on. Um, and the fact that they've just taken El Desperado, taken the title off of El Desperado, and he's in this block that isn't as stacked as A block, it does kind of make him seem yes. like the obvious pick, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing, but like Trent said, he does seem like the only one... The, the, He's by far the leader of the B block for, you know, mm. he's the, he's the favourite. Just think, a quick question. Oh, sorry, you go, Libby. No, I was just going to say, I think Watto's going to have a really good year. I think Watto's really coming into himself. Like, his wrestling is, I think, has gotten tenfold over the pandemic. He seems a lot more confident and sure in himself. And yeah. the match he had on Dontaki for the titles, which was uh, hilarious, by the way. Um, <laughs> he was so good uh, in that. I was really, really like. He, I was like, he definitely what? lacked confidence, didn't he, when he returned? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Maybe he's he a run with a veteran who's like really paying off into Gucci, and that he's learning a lot. And he is definitely more assured of himself in the room. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he like he looked at himself in the mirror before he went out and just kind of had that moment of the fuck has ghetto done to me with this outfit <laughs> yeah. and it's taken him a while to kind of feel comfortable and they change his gear up a little bit in a way that works a lot better you know just in general his visual comes across a lot better now I even but just heard, that i even heard when he was a kid he doesn't even like pokemon blue he prefers pokemon red oh wow i feel like God. ghetto knew that and just tried to mess with him <laughs> when he when he finally becomes grandmaster he'll be all in red there you go. Okay, well, well, all in one. Yeah, yeah. Happen? That's such an interesting thought. He can't be on his way to the That'll Grand be when he's when champion. He's 50. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a character change for him down the line. Yeah. That has to be. Mm-hmm. You don't see him with the blue emo hair at 50? Uh... I mean, I would love that for him. I would love that for him. Uh, why not? That's the one thing that can never change. That you go. He can have blue hair yeah. always. I just want to ask a quick question before we get off of like tournament topics because you brought up how in the best of Super Juniors last year Yo was in there and it was kind of obvious that he wasn't going to beat Hiromu and get there. Mm. Um, but it kind of gave him the spotlight of, oh, he's in the final, he's done well. Yeah, yeah. Um, just recently in Stardom with their Cinderella tournament, they had Kogama go over Hazuki to make the final, which a lot of people were surprised about because Kogama wasn't really... Of the four semi-finalists, she was the one that nobody really would have bought her winning. But it kind of gives it a, oh, yeah, she made the final. So for you guys, what do you think 
better. Having a final where you've got two people who can definitely win because they're kind of, you know, established as either definite main eventers for their division or they're being pushed there. Or do you think it's advantageous to put that guy in there who, even though it makes the final a little bit more predictable, it gives them kind of the feather in their cap to say, well, I made the final of this prestigious tournament, even if people weren't buying me to win. I think even if it's predictable, it doesn't matter as long as the match is done well. And I think Mm -hmm. lots of wrestlers, and it's one of the things I love about New Japan is that you think it's obvious, but you're still going to buy it on a close fall. Um, mm-hmm. you're still going to believe like there will make there will be moments you believe like oh shit yo is actually going to pull this off uh, yeah. you know and then the match finishes and you're like well of course Hiromi won but the journey was fun and yeah like the obvious thing is CM Punk coming back was the most predictable thing in the world it didn't take hold out the United Centre and he hadn't been announced yet yeah and it, it was the most <laughs> predictable thing in the world but it didn't make it any less special any less fun any less enjoyable um, mm. but obviously yeah you need someone that like if yo had won it wouldn't have been the most unbelievable thing in the world like he's mm. solid mm-hmm. enough but yeah like you can't have say i i love him to pieces and i know he's a big fan of the podcast so i'm sorry in advance like i love doki to pieces but if he was in the final then you're like okay you're not really gonna buy it. you know he's got zero chance yeah i think this year it's going to be interesting in the sense that we're on a bullet club agenda right now right because mm-hmm. forbidden doors coming up um and they're putting their eggs back into the crossover basket um and so i think i, I feel like it's definitely going to be bullet club themed at the end and uh, maybe even um like ishimori is gonna go to the final who knows mm. um i think it might be a situation where we have maybe a Bullet Club member in the final and someone who we know who's not going to win, but they are very behind or they want to give a push. Like, you know, maybe Clark's going to go really far. We know who's going to win. And in because of that, we're going to put some fresher talent, some people who are coming into their own, or maybe people you don't know, like El Linderman or something like that, or Utah maybe, push them a bit more because we know who's going to win, so we can take some time to show some other people some other stuff. Um, and especially with, uh, there's going to be a lot more international viewers this year mm. with international people in there. I think we're going to see people we didn't expect go so far, but the winner will be quite obvious. Well, I've had my fun going on about New Japan. It's great to have so much excitement and fun to talk about. Uh, so I'm just going to leave you guys for the rest of the podcast. Bye. <laughs> I've, I've, See ya. I've had my cake and I've ate it. No, uh, there's, it's, it's been a great week in wrestling. Uh, I don't know what you guys want to talk about. AW Owen Hart tournament brackets. Takashita was on Rampage. Trent mentioned stardom. Mayu won SWA title. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. has announced that he's got plans to or he is making a wrestling promotion. What, what, yeah, that that's really that. interesting. We gotta talk about that because that is is very fascinating, and the way that um, people uh, reported on it compared to if you listen to the podcast and what, and what he says is uh, is very interesting. What did you think, Trent? Look, I'm I'm very curious. I'm very excited. I do think you're right. Like the 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 aggregation of the podcast into written form has lost a lot of the nuance, but. 
just I love seeing this guy who obviously was heavily involved with WWE for a while back in terms of writing, has been involved in other promotions to certain extents, not always in the best situation for him, but just seeing him still passionate and wanting to produce something. When in a time like it'd be very easy to look at the current column and go, well, AEW's taken that number two spot. You know, I'm not going to compete with that. I'm not going to compete with WWE. I'm just going to sit back. But I think he recognizes that the talent pool in wrestling right now is just so chockers worth of people that either are getting highlighted but could be in a better position or just on that cusp of being a superstar. There's definitely room for a third brand with maybe a slightly different edge. And the fact that he's talking about being involved with the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. Like just regardless of how this promotion actually goes, like if this comes through and it essentially means we're getting some form of a union in professional wrestling. I mean, this could be kind of what ECW did in changing the game of how wrestling's presented and how people view it. Something like this could do something equal, you know, bringing a union into wrestling, which has been talked about since the eighties back when, you know, Hulk Hogan kind of, you know, pushed that down, brother. <laughs> this could change everything in the wrestling industry for better or for worse, depending on who you talk to. Well, the thing about um, the, the the SAG union is that um, it's not perfect. It's run mm. by actors, um, but it is unbelievably equipped uh, and ready to support you if you need it. Um, mm. It they you know they will help you. I think really important in wrestling. You know, speaking out. They have sexual harassment. Uh, and abuse policies they have fairness policies they have discrimination policies um and it they also a big thing is that um you know a lot of what sag is for is the contracts yeah and getting you fair contracts getting you safe working environments and if it's not safe working environment knowing that there's, there's someone you can go to there are so many uh situations and um different ways people are contracted in wrestling, whether it's a full-time thing, you're a freelancer, um, you know, you manage your own, your own finances or you're on a payroll. There's so many variables. Um, and, and SAG would have to, it would have to be a single stream of, um, you know, th there are different ways you, they can invoice and things like that, but there is a, a set fairness to, to mm. how performance to be treated. Um, and also SAG can include, um, you know, creatives and stuff as well. So it's not just for the wrestlers, it's, it's for, um, you know, other staff members as well. And I think it's it's a good place to do it. I think AEW, uh, I, would love, I would love them to have a union. Cody talked big about it before, but the fact that this is in a smaller, more manageable place, I think could mm. bode quite well. I feel like the, the stuff that like AEW were talking about, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a bit. Like they had these grand mm. visions and then they mentioned, you know, kind of a union kind of thing, which I think got everyone talking. And then almost felt like they were like, oh, this is actually not as easy as we thought. It puts us kind of in our own uh, hammerlock. How do we get out of this? Uh, because it was going to make things difficult. But with, with the Screen Actors Guild aspect, like I know, and oh, look, I'm not I'm not an actor, I'm not involved with the Screen Actors Guild, it's only second and third hand information I'm talking about here, but like everyone involved in a production is generally going to be part of that union, whether it be the performers behind the scenes people, but it also tends to be that if you're a member of the, the guild, you can't work non-guild 
productions, um, which kind of makes it interesting in the wrestling industry where, you know, is Freddie Prince going to be paying them enough that they can just do his shows? Mm -hmm. Or is there going to be like a loophole because wrestling is kind of its own beast? Will they be able to work, you know, your indie shows or because they're not being televised, they don't fall under the same rulings that like the Screen Actors Guild situation is? Like, it's great that they're going to have a union, but I think specifically Screen Actors Guild does bring in with it a sort of a fresh batch of interesting questions, if nothing else, in how this promotion is going to be run. Obviously, Freddie Prince Jr. has tons of connections in the you know movie industry and stuff. So, like, if anyone's going to be well equipped to know how to handle the Screen Actors Guild portion of a promotion, it's going to be him. But it's going to be very mm. interesting to see how it takes shape as this promotion comes through. Because look, he said he's planned to start in eighteen months. So this isn't going to be something we're seeing in August, uh, the fruits of his labour. It's purely just discussion at the moment. But it's a big deal if this actually comes through as being discussed. I think it's fair so to they, say we're all cinephiles, right? We all we're, we quite enjoy our movies. We watch probably more than the yeah. average person does. Yeah. As Freddie Prince <laughs> well, Jr. you definitely do. You watch enough for all of us to I'm catch trying to watch 365 films in 365 days, and I'm doing it. Um Yes, and I will be there to tell you that your uh, three and a half star star reviews will always perplex me. Uh, all right, I gave Brokeback Mountain three and a half. That stars. was a shot gave, across the I board. I gave Brokeback Mountain three and a half stars, and I gave Sonic the Hedgehog two three and a half stars as well. Fight me. Um, has, like what an interesting pair to put together. Has Freddie? Prince yeah, that, that comparison. I would love to hear why you chose those. Sonic two. the Hedgehog, because that's what Libby messaged me on Instagram, and she was like. <laughs> How have you given them both three and a half stars? At the exact same time, another friend of mine said the exact same thing. Like within so 60 wasn't seconds you who of each other. the movie comparisons. It was them. Yeah. They were like, I put up my. Libby, Libby, why were you picking those two movies as a at comparison? The, at the end of the month, I put up all the films I've watched in like one picture on my socials and stuff. And Libby was like, said about them two both getting three and a half stars. And so did my other friend. And I had to explain myself. I felt attacked. I understood. I understood. I, I, it, it made total sense. But just on the surface, if you were to like put that as a good, all appearance, three and a half star films, and you saw Brokeback Mountain and Sonic Two next to each other, you'd be like, interesting. Uh <laughs> yeah, back on track. Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> has Freddie Prince Jr. ever made a good film? Um, well, I'll be Scooby honest. I'm not sure if I've seen any of these movies. I loved the Scooby Doo films when I was a kid. To be fair, but they're like they're they're probably not good, are they? uh how dare you uh they are seminal <laughs> canon cinema uh we live what, what, in a scooby did i get a three and a half rating libby <laughs> uh, no five stars it's a five star film 100 <laughs> percent. is it in um, the tokyo dome <laughs> oh yeah it would be six stars if it was in the tokyo dome yeah. um scooby three the tokyo dome um <laughs> well I... they did fight wwe so maybe they'll do a new japan crossover oh man maybe the the, the thing is um you know, with this, a lot of people were like, oh, so this is, you know, how does Freddie Prince Jr., a big movie star, he thinks he's going to go straight to TV and have his TV show and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you listen to the podcast, he says his goal is to start the promotion, no matter what, in 18 months. He's got enough money for three years to run the promotion, no matter what. He's crazy. That's a lot of money he's got saved oh. up. He he probably has a very good fee. Those Scooby Doo um, money, baby. Those Scooby Doo yeah, yeah. royalties, baby. A lot of Scooby snacks there. Um, 
And he was like, I took a job I've been a Netflix romance to to help fund this and I'll do another one if I need to. <laughs> um, but he's like, I want a TV deal. I know how to get a TV deal um, because I've gone through the process three times supporting, he didn't say who, but supporting another person. And he knows that getting a TV deal, you know, you've got to approach it in the, the TV industry fashion. Mm. But it's a goal. It's not how it's going to start. A lot of people were like, blah, blah, blah. it's like, <laughs> he wants to run a wrestling show and he wants to get it on TV so people can see it. Uh, and obviously you want to, you want to grow your brand, but the core is to, to get the show going. Um, and I think he, you can really see his, his priorities are in the right place. And also he is not interested in being the head booker. He knows his strengths and weaknesses. He wants to bring in a booker, which I think is really really important when you look you know I think Tony Khan does a lot of great things but also I don't think he should be the head booker of so much going on no, um, no. I think it's really fresh to see that approach from, from Freddie Prince Jr. Nobody can fault Freddie Prince for what he's at least trying to do and planning to do whether it comes off and is successful is a different story but it certainly seems like his heart is in the right place. 100% and it's, it sounds like it's going to be a good creative uh, safe place <laughs> For people to wrestle in LA, you know, a big thing for him is is um, he wants less people to be able to travel. He wants a, a base for wrestlers to come to, and for him as well. So I think you know, it, the, the fingers crossed. It it can only start on the right foot. I think. Hey Trent, I've got a yo. May I, may you ask? No, it doesn't work. Shit, I was trying to say may I ask you a question, but use my username, and it really didn't work. May you ask me a question? Yeah, yes, it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> I, may. My you want worked on my Valentine sticker. Uh, fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> were, my you won the SWA title, right? Yes. So they had a, it was a show in Fukuoka, part of the Golden Week tour. And they kind of were like, hey, this show's big enough to make it a pay-per-view, even though we ran a pay-per-view just a week ago and we charged 50 fucking bucks for these things. The stardom hopefuls will pay for them because we're all simps to the Rossi Ogawa hat. Wait, um, so $50 just for the pay-per-view? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, no, Stardom know how to get that cash money. Um, mm. Admittedly, like, I didn't actually get this one because of rare occasion I actually had a life and uh, people wanted to hang out with me, as hard that is to believe. Um, but, <laughs> but, yes, the big news out of this show um, is Mayu Watani won the SWA World title, which we kind of talked about a little bit, I think, mm -hmm. last week. But it was kind of as part of a, the bigger, you know, AEW, will they work with stardom kind of thing. This is particularly uh, notable, not just because she became the second Grand Slam champion in stardom history behind Io Shirai, um, but this championship requires you to defend against people who aren't of your nationality. Now, stardom only have two, three people who could actually fulfill that role, depending on how crazy they want to get. Apparently, someone was saying Fukugan Death should challenge because she's not of this world. <laughs> um, but realistically, what this means is they're either bringing talent in from international or she's going out. And it definitely sounds like at this stage she's going to leave Japan. She's going to wrestle in a few different promotions. No announcements yet where she's going to go. Although uh, RCW in Spain, who was one of the initial groups that were partnered with Stardom when this championship came about. Because it was meant to be part of this Stardom World Alliance where different promotions around the world were teaming with Stardom. It lasted like two, three months and then everyone forgot about it. But RCW was one of those groups. It was where they crowned the first champion. 
Um, they've already kind of, quote, retweeted with a winky face, kind of suggesting that Mayu might be going to Spain to defend the championship. Um, but, like, we know she's gone in a few places. She's been in Ring of Honor before. She's been in Pro Wrestling Eve before in the UK. Oh, yeah. So this is really exciting because it means Mayu Watani is going to go on a world tour of sorts, it's defending not... this championship and just getting her name out there. It's, it's speculative at this moment, right? But there's, like, a lot of... It, it like it's gonna happen more or less. It's spec. It hasn't been confirmed, but the Stardom English Twitter has been posting about how she wants to go and defend it around the world. Okay, sweet. Um, so so... It, it it's not confirmed, but it's basically confirmed now. Oh, amazing! Right. So whether Pro Wrestling Eve get her or Rev Pro, because you know they actually haven't had many, any or very few Joshi talents at least. Um. Mm. But basically, your boy's going to be seeing Mayu very soon, hopefully, and I am <laughs> fucking stoked. Yeah, of, all the, of all the Joshi to be coming, uh, she would be the one you'd most want to see, yeah? Yeah, yeah. On you, a scale we... of 1 to 10, Trent, how likely yeah. do you think he's going to come to Australia? <laughs> uh, I don't think she knows Australia exists. Oh, <laughs> oh no! She, she has actually, look, I joke, she has actually performed in Australia Early on in her career, Stardom sent, like, I think EO did as well. They came down for, like, not a Stardom show, but it was like they appeared on a random show, I think. Um, but, look, the reality is she's probably not going to come down because, look, the, the Australian scene doesn't have the hype around it that it did when Will Ospreay was kind of pumping it up. Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic kind of slowed it down. Um, if she comes to Australia, I will buy tickets and fly to Melbourne or Sydney, which is the two places she'd most likely perform in. Realistically, though, it's going to be Europe, aka England and Spain, uh, and it's going to be America, maybe Mexico, but I also wouldn't hold my breath there. It's probably going to be those America and the UK and Spain. She'll probably do a couple of appearances before the five-star Grand Prix starts in, I think it's the beginning of, you know, it's the very end of July, beginning of August. So it's quite big there's time for her to schedule though, right? Like it's, I, I know the, it take like it finishes in like September or something, doesn't it? Or am I exaggerating? No, no, it, it's, it's going to be like a two month period. Um, however, I'm expecting that's more to make sure that the talent are getting well rested as opposed okay, right. to, you know, like the G1, like there's just a ton of matches, matches, matches. So she's matches. not going to be flying across the world in those breaks. Yeah. I would be shocked if she was. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's too big a risk. Like, if, you know, Maya is one of your main attractions. You don't want to risk her getting injured doing that kind of stuff during the tournament. When, like, generally, at least once it, one person a year is probably getting some kind of injury doing this kind of uh, period. Julia got injured last year. Tami Hayashishida got injured a couple of years ago. It, it just kind of happens. It's just that crazier schedule. I think they're just trying to protect their talent, which is, to me, the right move. Yeah, of course. Um, right, that so much has happened in the past week in wrestling, and uh, mm. I think we should do like a speed round of sorts because we never want this podcast to go too long. People got real lives, so we appreciate that. Um, first up, Big Suji Yota Suji appeared on ITV in the UK, which is probably the second biggest TV channel in the UK. Uh, he was there with the Rev Pro Booker Andy Quilden and this little game show, basically. Uh, Suji had a picture of a celebrity and he had to explain who that celebrity was to Suji and Suji had to guess <laughs> whose picture he was holding uh, the oh first my. one was Madonna um, Suji got I feel it. like Suji doesn't know Suji got yeah. it Suji got it 
This is why I love Suji. Andy, Andy <laughs> rattling off Madonna songs, and he's the first name he, he Andy says female singer. He goes Taylor Swift, and he's like, no, no. And then he's <laughs> like, he says one song, and then Suji says something, and then he says another song, and Suji's like goes ah, like he knows it, and it's hurting his brain, and then he goes <laughs> Madonna, and he gets it. And then they do like a speed bit where they're showing all the other contestants on the show. And literally, oh, by the way, they literally just got stopped in the street if you play the show. So Suji and Andy happen to be out in Portsmouth. Yeah, um, that's how you do it. And <laughs> they're cutting through people just getting correct answers. And it cuts to Suji and he gets Jedward somehow. And Steve yes! and the host is like, what? How do this is why... <laughs> Suji owns my heart. He knows who Madonna and Jedward are. How does the Japanese Suji, who was in the UK for like a week, know who the fuck Jedward are? Who's Jedward? Exactly. Trent doesn't know who Jedward are. Oh my god, Trent! Google Jedward after this and just just take it in and come back to us and let us know what you think. How do you spell it? Yeah. Uh, J e d w a r d. Okay. I'm looking him up. Oh, oh, oh. What the fuck? Yeah. Who are these weirdos? Uh -huh. They are a British phenomenon. But what is worth, Libby, as well? But Irish. Yeah. You know who Jedward are. I went to an All American Rejects gig. Uh, it was like 600 <sighs> people. And in the middle of the crowd in the mosh pit with me were Jedward. I love them. It was very, very Did you get choked up by the amount of hair product they use? It, it, were they? Was it? Was the hair fully up, or were they hair down? Were what? Oh no, no. They like they had hoodies up, and they were like uh, yeah. very badly because they're very easy to see. Boy, I was very distracted because for the next part of the speed round, uh, an old video clip came out of an Eddie Kingston interview where he just goes on about how much he hates Disneyland, the happiest it's place in the world. Fucking! I think you retweeted it. Maybe is how I saw it. Trent, have you yes. seen this clip? No, I haven't. That's what it is. It is. And then I'm covered. I just look up in the sky and go, "Fuck!" <laughs> it's like a hundred kids. It's so funny, man. Like he just goes on about how he hates Disney, and then at the end, he's like, "I got my picture with Tigger and Pooh Bear, though, so I was happy." <laughs> like they're my boys. They're my favorites out of everything in Disney. <laughs> I don't think I even realised Winnie the Pooh was Disney. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. I mean, it makes yeah. sense they own everything, but He's got I think if I was at Disney and I saw them, I'd be Trent, Trent, this podcast is part of Disney. Well, you know. <laughs> I love Mickey the Mouse. Do, am I still, yeah. still allowed to talk? Yeah. It's high uh, corn fructose syrup. Uh, That's a big one, right? I realised as well, <laughs> there's a big part of Dontaku we didn't talk about, but it relates to the upcoming show in DC this weekend. Uh, the card is pretty fucking cool, but the main match, the four-way match for Tanahashi's US heavyweight title, Tanahashi mm. versus Osprey versus mm. John Moxley mm. versus Bullet Club's newest member, Juice Robinson. Juice Juicy. And he's calling yeah, himself Rock. That's... Rock Hard is his Bullet Club name, which I fucking love, because Juice I is won... perfect. <laughs> I guarantee you the Good Brothers came up with that. 100%. Yes. I don't know. Like, I would totally buy Juice coming up with that, considering he went on to the English commentary and talked about how he's going to be balls deep in Japanese women later. Exactly. It's like, I would believe Juice Robinson <laughs> is coming up with the name Rocker. It's perfect. Uh, 
Yeah, I hope he. I don't know if he wins, but I'd like to see it. I think he's I'd got. Like he's absolutely it. got a shot. Uh, you know, yeah. he's fresh back. The Brennan Club connection, all that jazz. There's no reason why he wouldn't. Um, if he does, yeah. I mean, the only downside is that US title's been hot shotted around like yes. nothing else lately. Yes. But I mean, if you're yeah. going to put it on anyone in that four. Probably Juice is the one to do it with, especially now you got the face champion in Tanahashi. Yeah, agreed. Um, Takashita made his, Konsuke Takashita made his AEW TV debut against JD4. Uh, I don't rate JD4 all, but I heard it was a pretty great match. Uh, uh, yes. Oh, uh, I, I'm, it, the one time I can actually tell someone how to pronounce it is Takeshita. Fuck's me, <laughs> uh, I always get it wrong. I, I'm usually the one to get people's names wrong, but it's because I, I love him so dearly that I know. Yeah, it was it it was great. Um I loved it personally, um, because he was incredible. He came out and he just absolutely killed it. Not only was he funny, the crowd were laughing, he got the crowd behind him. His, you know, his jumping knee is incredible. Takeshi doesn't just jump the ropes, his feet leave the ground. He's like vertical to gravity. Like uh it, it was it was a great match. Um it had a spoiled finish in the sense that um you know they've got this Satnam Singh stuff going on. Awesome. Takeshi actually pinned Jay Lethal uh for like more than three but they didn't. They didn't actually. The ref didn't see it because they were distracted. Royal finishing uh, that JD for won the match regardless. Yes. Yeah. And I. I can understand. And you know, I didn't expect Kesh to come out and and win on AEW. I know um, some people were upset because he is the star of DDT. Like him, and he is. There's a reason he's called the future. He is just mm. an unbelievable talent. Um, and some people were like, "Man, you know, you have." Jay Lethal pin Takeshita and it makes it look like the whole, you know, Jay Lethal could, uh, you know, take on the whole DT roster. Mm. And I get that. But uh, I'm also, you know, Tony's Khan job is to put his talent first. It makes yeah. sense. Um, and, and for me, it, it was, I was so, so happy to see him on TV have this amazing match. There's a lot of possibilities for him. The best friends came out at the end. They've obviously they've lost their son recently. Utah has been adopted by the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're looking for a new son. Um, and also Samo Joe came out at the end. So so he's getting like kind of mixed up in this other stuff that's going on. I think the, the only way is up from here. And considering probably most people in the arena had no idea who Takeshita was, he didn't get like a Titan Tron. Oh, Rampage just pre-recorded. They cut it so we didn't even see him walk to the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly the best star treatment, but people got really behind him in the match. Uh, and I'm so, so excited. And he's got some awesome um, independent matches coming up. I was up just glad to say uh, that. Lee Moriarty. Um, there's another really big one that I've just gone... Josh Alexander on. in this new, yes. never-before-started promotion in Chicago, I think. Garden which, State. Uh, Garden, yeah, which um, one of our wrestling very own, Scott Edwards, is going to. Um, because they've also got Mia Yamashita performing. So that's that's oh, going to yeah. be like a show and a half to yeah, see. wow. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, I'm glad to hear that. Oh, yeah, you can't talk. You saw Emmy and Shoko. I know, and I've got uh, Takumi Rojas coming very soon as well, Trent. I'll... Yes, and Venny, I hate you with a passion. I'm not 100% oh, where I'm I... going because, admittedly, uh, you know, I love Shoko and love her so much more now that I've seen her. I'm not as clued up on mm. them, but I. Takumi Rojas is a fucking beast. Um, I, yeah, I want to see Venny. 
seriously, Venny and Takumi Aroha are probably two of the best performers in Japan. Like, I know, like, you were excited for Shoko. You'd seen a little bit, heard some things. These two are going to put on a show and a half. Um, Takumi is the best kind of underrated star in Japan, and Venny's star is just rising and rising and rising and rising. I so think once the cards, please, for my sake, Kieran, go. Once the cards are announced, <laughs> I'll go and grab a ticket. Um, yeah. I think it's like they do. Yeah. It's a tournament, and there's like four shows across two days. There's an afternoon mm. show and an evening show both days. So I can even go to the afternoon show and still be in bed for my uh, reasonable 10 p.m. time <laughs> because I am uh, an old an old man in a young person's body. I, I 100% want to see Venny, so we're going to cr- finally cross paths in person, Karen. Oh, yes. Oh, you can do an yeah. Into the Wrestleverse in person. Oh. And then just kind of, one of you can pretend to have an Aussie accent and be me. Oh, uh, yeah. We oh, can totally oh, yeah. just take the piss out of Trent. That'd be great. That's not Amazing. difficult. I do it all the time. <laughs> right, thank you for listening to Into the Wrestleverse. Check out our other podcast, Flight of Five, New Japan, and the Ocean Cyclone Show, which just put out an episode uh, all about remembering Hannah Kimura. Simply search Wrestle In wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at KieranRH93. You can find me on Twitter at OneUpCulture. And you can find me on Twitter at Libby underscore Cadman. That was Into the Wrestleverse. We are Wrestle In. And now we're out. <laughs>